Motor to absorb the spot in his garage floor. At Primary Motors, we are not just in the quality pre-owned auto business, we are in the problem-solving business. At 2305 Coffin Avenue, here in Sheridan. If you're struggling with weight and frustrated with dieting each and every year, Mark Patrick Seminars can help. Join the over half million people who have attended Mark Patrick Seminars with weight loss results. Mark Patrick Seminars will be in Sheridan on Friday, March 25th. After this hypnosis, I want to eat good food. Since August, I can honestly say I have not had one potato chip. It was life-changing for me. And I don't think about desserts like I used to. Bridget, how much have you lost now? I've lost a total of 83 pounds. Holy cow. It's easy, it's fun, very relaxing, and very successful. And I would just say go for it. For only $49.99, lose all the weight you want 100% guaranteed. Friday, March 25th at the Ramada Hotel in Sheridan. Seminar time is 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Registration begins at 5 p.m. Attend this program and find out how the power of hypnosis can help you achieve your weight loss goals. There's limited seating, so get there early. Learn more at MarkPatrickSeminars.com. It's America's most patriotic show, and it's coming your way. It's the All Hands on Deck Show. Classic songs, dances, and laughs that Americans of all ages have loved for more than 60 years. I've heard that Hands on Deck celebrates 1942 and reminds us of a time when our country was united. Broadway veteran Jody Medeiros leads this all-American cast as they treat you to swinging melodies and the rich sounds of the live Hollywood Victory Caravan Orchestra. From roadshow to radio broadcast, you'll enjoy time-honored harmonies, on-air edits, classic commercials, and a musical salute to our men and women in uniform. The All Hands on Deck Show, a musical message for all Americans. Saturday, March 12th, 7.30 p.m. at the Y.O. Theater. Tickets available now at yotheater.com. Do you have simple tax returns, but you're still confused on how to prepare them? Cloud Peak Accounting can help. Cloud Peak Accounting will prepare your simple tax return while you wait. Not sure if your tax return qualifies as simple? Just call them to find out, and then set up an appointment to get your taxes done while you wait. Call Cloud Peak Accounting at 307-684-5519. That's 307-684-5519. Or visit them online at cloudpeakcpa.com. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse, brought to you by Elias and Financial. Although it may not look like it right now, it is time to start thinking about the boating season, and it'll be here before we know it. We have to keep our Wyoming water safe and free of invasive species. Our state has done an amazing job so far. We have had a few creep in, but uh, and near as I could tell, the really bad ones have uh, been able to we've been able to keep them at bay. And to talk about this and other issues facing our wildlife, I am joined by Wyoming Game and Fish Public Information Specialist Christina Schmidt and Sheridan Region Aquatic Invasive Species Specialist Reed Moore. Good morning, Christina. And Reed, welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, Reed, go ahead and pull that microphone right in close to you there, partner. There you go. Okay, so, Reed, how long have you been with the Game and Fish? So I worked contract starting in 2014, but I'm now starting my fourth year as the Aquatic Invasive Species Specialist in Sheridan. And uh, how does one become an AIS specialist? Uh, so that's it's a biologist position with the department, um, and so the requirement really is a bachelor's degree in some natural resource field, much like all of our other positions in the game and fish. What, what inspired you to study that kind of stuff? I just have always liked the outdoors growing up in Wyoming and all the resources we have. That was something um, that always interested me. And then when I got to school, I actually, my degree is actually just in biology. Um, it was plants-based, and I took a real interest in AIS while in college. Um, and so then when this job became available, it was something that I thought I'd really enjoy and I have um, and still do. You know, I went back to college in 2016 
And that's what I was looking to do, biology. And uh, I, I, my my instructors discovered that I, I could write a decent paper. And they said, you know, you've already got the majority of your journalism done. Just knock this out. And uh, if you want to continue the biology degree, jump back in. So uh, I ended up falling back in love with journalism, and you guys lost the biologist. I could have changed the world, Christine. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're always welcome back. <laughs> now, when it comes to AIS and, and studying, like, aquatic species within the state how far into detail uh did your schooling take you into that like uh, do you study fish do you go up to the fisheries and things like that or are you very specific when it comes to the invasive species like in my job duties or in the educational aspect both uh, so jobs really i'm focused on ais i do help with our other de- uh needs in the department whether that's fish or at the hatchery um help wildlife folks with cwd check stations and things like that so we do we are able to interact a lot with all of the different um working groups in game and fish educational wise statewide between the eight of us that we have as specialists we have varying degrees of expertise in that Um, we have some that have masters studying invasive species i didn't have that my focus really was just on plants and botany um and speaking of plants, we have had uh, some invasive species creep in on top of us, and a lot of those are, are plant-based, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, so some of the ones closest to us in the Sheridan region are curly pondweed. We have that in Lake DeSmit and Keyhole both, um, and so that's an invasive plant. We also have um, brook stickleback, which is a small minnow-sized fish in a lot of places throughout the state. We have um, Asian clams in Keyhole and some waters down um, between Casper and Laramie. And then we also have rusty crayfish, and that's kind of the new one where in the last few years we've been finding populations of those. They were illegally introduced through fish hatcheries um, in private waters. Really? Yeah, so they were were stocked as a forage source for fish, kind of unknowingly by those folks. And so we've been finding those populations. And then because crayfish are transported easily as bait, there's a chance that they can be being moved um, through bait bucket introductions, much like Brooks Stickleback likely were throughout the state. Now, a lot of people, when they think invasive species, they do tend to think animals, right? Yeah. Uh, from fish, uh, mussels, crayfish. But those plants can be just as devastating to our ecosystem, can't they? Oh, yeah, they definitely they alter an ecosystem. Um, we haven't seen any major impacts, but we're in a fairly recent infestation with curly pondweed um you see farther into the midwest where lots of those waters just get choked out with plants and then you have lots of dead and decaying plant matter which reduces oxygen which those fish need in the water um and so definitely there are impacts from plants just as big as there are impacts from other animals and i think a lot of people don't tend to think about that when they pull the boat out they see some weeds attached to the engine eh, it's no big deal right but that actually could be a really big deal because that could actually cause fish die off. Yep. Which I, you know, I never really thought about until I started talking to you, Christina, about this situation. Uh, way back when I was working at the newspaper, you brought this up. You were like, you know, plants are just as bad as anything else is. Um, and in some cases, sounds like they could be really bad. Now, when it comes to the major species of concern, we're talking mussels, right? That's what we're yep. really trying to keep out of the water. We had that big situation with the moss balls last year. Um, and just to bring everybody up to date, that situation has been pretty much finished, right? Like we have taken care of that to our knowledge. Yeah, so we're still – we did testing last year. We actually piggybacked off of testing that was being done looking for COVID, and we were able to take those water samples at treatment at water treatment facilities and test those for eDNA of zebra mussels. Um, and so we didn't find any on in any of the samples we conducted in the state, but the investigation led to basically this stopping that importation of those contaminated moss balls. Yeah. Now, Reed, we're pretty much surrounded uh, by these mussels in other states, aren't we? Or, or yeah, to the east of us. Just to the east? to the east. Um, so... Right directly around us, Utah just has Lake Powell that's positive, um, and so th- there's not a lot of mussels to the west of us. It's kind of the Pacific Northwest is still free of mussels. California has them, but then east of us, 
North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska all have them in the eastern half of those states. So let's talk about the damage these little guys can actually do. Uh, First, let's start with the ecosystem, and then we'll go to infrastructure, because I was really surprised over some photos that you shared with me a number of years ago, uh, how quickly these muscles can build up. And they're just like rock once they get all settled. Uh, But what can they do to an ecosystem? So ecosystem-wise, because they reproduce so exponentially, one female can produce a million eggs a year. So it doesn't take very many, and all of a sudden you have a large population of them. And when you have that many organisms filtering the water, because they are a filter feeder, they're filtering out the small phytoplankton, which is a food source for lots of other small organisms that the fish would prey on. Um, And so it's just kind of a bottom-up cascade where they're taking a lot of the nutrients. So then you have less food for, say, minnows, which then means there's less minnows for a thing like a walleye or a perch to be eating. And so it just has that impact going up through the food chain. Now let's talk about infrastructure. Because I've seen, let's see, you shared with me the photo of the croc, uh, which really kind of brought the reality of time into it. You know, this can happen that quickly, and they will latch on to anything, you know. Who wears crocs? Well, muscles. So, but like, and then there was a bottle that you shot me. But I've seen photos of these things getting inside of a dam, and they can shut down an entire dam, can't they? Oh, yeah. No, they they definitely have been seen in water infrastructure, water treatment facilities, places like that, where they'll basically clog off pipes. They have bissel threads, which is how they attach to things, and that's why they're so easily moved on watercraft and why we do our watercraft inspections. But they attach to anything and everything, including themselves, and so they'll just block off a whole pipe um, in really no time at all. Now, was this over in Michigan that I think we first found these, and they really did a lot of damage to their infrastructure over yeah, there? So they were they were introduced into the Great Lakes. That seems to be where a lot of the invasive species that we see aquatically are first introduced is the Great Lakes because of the oversea pathway of large cargo ships. Yeah, I could see that, uh, which is kind of upsetting. I, I mean, I don't expect you guys to know this, but I imagine they're looking out for that kind of stuff now over there or – I would hope that they are, anyhow. Uh, But we're definitely looking out for them here. Uh, So have we had any mussels show up here outside of the moss balls uh, to speak of at all? So every year we see them attached to watercraft at check stations across the state. We haven't had any ever found in our waters or had any water tests come back positive for their villagers, the juveniles that would be microscopic and just found in the water. But we have found them attached to watercraft every year for the last probably 10 years since the program's been running. We see mussels on watercraft at check stations across the state. Um, Last year we had two boats through the Sheridan region that had zebra mussels attached, and one actually had false conrads, which is in the same family, but they're a saltwater species. And so that boat had came out of Virginia in the ocean and had very similar-looking, still-striped-like quag and zebra mussels are. But when we sent them to a lab, they were identified as um, false conrad, so they came from a saltwater. Wow. Now, would that conrad be able to survive in the fresh water of the Schmidt? No. No, that would probably die off. But the zebra sure is. The zebra mussels would would have been able to if they would have been viable and launched here. So now you understand why the game and fish take so much time and put so much effort and resources into these aquatic invasive species check stations. So when I'm driving up to a check station, what can I do before I actually get there that will help get me through the check station more quickly and prevent my boat from becoming a carrier of these little guys? So the biggest thing, and you hear it all the time, is clean, drain, and dry everything. So in those inspections, what we're looking for is to make sure your boat is clean, um, whether that's dirt or organisms attached, vegetation. Remove all of that when you come off the water, which removing vegetation and pulling plugs, making sure it's drained, is actually a law in Wyoming. Um, in 2017, it became a law that all visible vegetation and all plugs had to be pulled before you left the boat ramp area, so the parking lot of a boat ramp. You have to have those things done. And then making sure that for us, everything's dry. If it's dry, there's not a ri- the risk of transporting anything is much lower. These organisms that we're worried about are all aquatic, so when you 
dry the environment they're in, they can't survive for very long. And you said these things are microscopic when they're juveniles. Yeah, juveniles. So bog and zebra mussels, when they reproduce, they're that's why we're concerned with standing water. The juveniles are microscopic. We can't see them. So just any amount of water could have those in there. Even a tablespoon of yep. water could have. Yep. So you got to make sure that every little drop is dried up. Now, what will happen when I get to a check station? Uh, so the first thing that we'll do is we'll do a interview, basically trying to figure out the risk of that watercraft, determining where it's coming from, um, what sort of systems it have, if it if it has systems that are taking water in, such as ballast. Um, and so that would be on wakeboard boats where they're trying to make a bigger weight. That boat will take water in um, to increase the weight of the watercraft. And then the determining if the watercraft was last used in a place that we know there are quagga or zebra mussels. Um, and then after that, looking in any compartment that may have had water in it, ensuring that those are clean, drained, and dried. Do I have to stop at every single station that I see, even if I've already stopped at one for the day? Yes, you do. So enforcement-wise, it's really hard to know whether a boat has been inspected or not. The only way to know that is by interacting with the um, boater. And so anytime you go by an open check station, you have to stop in. At the end of an inspection, we actually put what's called a seal on there, and that locks your boat to the trailer so that we know you have been inspected based on the receipt we give you. So then in Wyoming, if you'd stop at a second inspection station, you can provide that receipt, and we'll be able to verify that you had been inspected and the boat has not been launched, so we wouldn't redo the inspection. We would just verify that you had already been inspected. You give me the thumbs up after looking at my receipt, checking yep. my seal, and I drive on. Yep. But I've still got to stop. stop. Now, that's a lot like those hunter check stations, uh, isn't it, Christina? Just to verify everything's on the up and up. Correct. And uh, it's not because the Game and Fish is picking on anybody. This is, you know, to make sure that everyone who drives by has done what's right. Correct. And these are all well marked um, with signs as you approach them, too. So anytime there's a a check station, hunter check station, or AIS check station, there's going to be signs as you approach it so you know it's coming up. Now, Reed, tell me about the AIS inspector training. Uh, how long is this course? Uh, so we actually offer three different courses. We have one that we do just for the technicians we hire at check stations, and that one's actually the most in-depth, and it's a few days long that we get together statewide and do that training. But the ones we have coming up, are very similar. We offer one for the agency, and that's actually an inspection and decontamination. Um, and then the one that's available to the public is just a watercraft inspection training. And that course runs from about nine to four, um, taking an hour break in the middle of the day for folks to go get lunch. But the knowledge that you're going to walk out of there with uh, could help save the waters here in Wyoming. And if you're an avid boater or, or someone who loves to take your, your jet skis out or anything like that onto the water, you know, help us continue to enjoy these waters and help us keep uh, keep them AIS clear. Well, for what we can do anyhow, because once these guys get in here, we have no way of getting them out, do we? I mean, no, what a massive currently. undertaking that would be. So uh, now, are you guys looking for... AIS inspectors over, say, like the summer season, and would that coincide with college getting out? Like, would this be a great little gig for a college student? So we do hire lots of college students around the state. Most of our positions actually run from April through September or the middle of May through the end of October. And so we do hire college students who work the majority of the summer and then stay on and work weekends in locations where they're going to school if at all possible. And so it doesn't work that we can hire all college students just because of the time frame of April through October needing people, but we do have a few shorter positions across the summer that college students would be great for. It would be a great gig for a biology student. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, especially if you want to get into this line of work. Uh, this is a foot in the door. You're already getting your name down on the piece of paper to call back, right? All right. So how much uh, pay are we talking that these folks tend to earn? So for our AIS inspectors that we hire with Game and Fish, they're getting paid $16 and some change is the current pay. Um, the private inspectors that go through in the inspection training, we actually don't regulate what those folks can charge for their services. And so there's no that some people do it for free and some people charge 
money. There's no, we have no regulation over what the private inspectors who are certified through the course. Yeah. Yeah. But this still seems like it'd be a pretty good gig. I mean, 16 bucks to look at a couple boats and basically sit around and joke around with your buddy, right? That's, it's a good, it's a good gig, you know, just make sure no boats drive by. And if they do report them. All right. When we return, we're going to continue with the Wyoming game and fish department. This is public pulse on 930 KROE 103.9 FM. Shared it. Dreaming of green grass, sunny days, and long drives down the fairway? Well, so are we. It's time to get ready for the 2022 season at Kendrick Golf Course. Rates are still extremely reasonable, making Kendrick Sheridan's best golf value. Take advantage of their preseason discounts and save even more. Discounted passes now on sale at City Hall or online at SheridanWY.gov through March 31st. The snow will be gone and the grass will be greening up before you know it. Don't miss out. Play this season at Kendrick Golf Course. Alpha Graphics is expanding. We recently acquired Sheridan Printing and have moved our shop to a new, larger location. We're now located at 2266 North Main, next door to the Social Security office. Our office is open while construction is in progress. Or, if you'd rather, you can contact us by calling 674-6227 or online at alphagraphicsheridan.com. We look forward to working with all of you in 2022. It's America's most patriotic show, and it's coming your way. It's the All Hands on Deck Show. Classic songs, dances, and laughs that Americans of all ages have loved for more than 60 years. I've heard that song. All Hands on Deck celebrates 1942 and reminds us of a time when our country was united. Broadway veteran Jody Medeiros leads this all-American cast as they treat you to swinging melodies and the rich sounds of the live Hollywood Victory Caravan Orchestra. From roadshow to radio broadcast, you'll enjoy time-honored harmonies, on-air edits, classic commercials, and a musical salute to our men and women in uniform. The All Hands on Deck Show, a musical message for all Americans. Saturday, March 12th, 7.30 p.m. at the Y.O. Theater. Tickets available now at yotheater.com. When you think Frackletons, you think big steaks or pasta dishes or even pan-seared duck breast. But we have another option called our small plates and starters menu. Wheat potato fries or truffle fries. You might want to go a different direction with calamari or ahi tuna poke bowl. Maybe New Zealand green lip mussels. All on our small plates and starters menu. Frackletons, fine food and spirits. Where good food is good mood. Main Street, downtown Sheridan. The start of this week's Weekend Sports Wrap podcast may sound like we're about to start on a tangent about our favorite children's TV shows like Peppa Pig and Blue's Clues. But fear not. We do talk about all things sports, like Russell Wilson getting traded to the Denver Broncos, as well as some college basketball wrap-ups as we get ever closer to that big tournament in March that I cannot name because of legal reasons. So, come tune into the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast on SheridanMedia.com, PodcastWyoming.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by Eliason Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting, and this morning, I am joined by the Wyoming Game and Fish Public Information Specialist, Christina Schmidt, and our Sheridan Region Aquatic Invasive Species Specialist, Reed Moore. Now, Reed, we do have an AIS class coming up in April. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so April 2nd, we have our private um, AIS trainings. So that's open to anyone in the public that wants to be certified. Here in Sheridan, especially this year, if you're a person that regularly visits Tongue River Reservoir, it's going to be in your best interest to get in this class. Montana actually won't be operating their normal AIS check station at Tongue River this summer. Um, there is still a requirement when you go to Montana, just like when you come into Wyoming, watercraft have to be inspected before they can be launched when they are trailered across state lines going either direction. And so and in a Wyoming inspection suffices for the legal requirement in both Wyoming and Montana. So if you're a Sheridan resident and you boat between Lake DeSmit and Tongue River Reservoir, and you're going back and forth between those places outside of our regular check station hours, 
going through this class would enable you to be able to do your own inspections to be able to follow both of those states' laws. Wow. Wow. How cool is that? Uh, I'd have to stop at the stations, but I can get the inspection done right there at the house. Yep. Uh, and as long as it's done properly, we don't have to worry about transporting it. Now, I don't know for sure. Does Montana have an issue with zebra and quagga right now, or are they, they still don't. clear? They are free of mussels again this year. So they had a scare a few years ago, and those waters were tested at least monthly for the last 36 months to come back off that. So it's been three years since they had any positive sample. So likely someone had brought water in that had some villagers. They happened to be out there, pick those up when they did their sampling, and since then they've not detected any and have never found any adult mussels. Reed, when you go out there to do your testing of our local waters around here, what does your stomach feel like when you're doing it, waiting um, on the results? Are, are you worried? I'm not overly worried just with the amount of focus we have on prevention. Um, our watercraft inspections really do a good job of eliminating the risk of an introduction of quagga or zebra mussels into our state where all watercraft are legally required to be inspected before they launch. So we're able to identify those high-risk watercraft and those watercraft coming from places with known populations of quagga and zebra mussels. Now, do you guys sit around and talk about like uh, situations like that where it's like, hey, this one's high-risk, that one's not? Do you give each other hints and tips throughout the state? Oh, yeah, no. So we definitely we have a map, actually, that we follow that we update throughout the year as waters are positive so that everyone knows surrounding states' waters that are positive. Um, and so we um, reference that when we do those interviews at the beginning of an inspection to determine whether or not a watercraft is coming from a place with quagga or zebra mussels. All right, I'm going to switch gears on you. I'm going to switch over here to Christina. Christina, how are the hunter education classes going as far as sign-ups and attendance so far? Yeah, this uh, winter we had one in January that was full. We had one in February that was full. Um, there's one currently at the junior high that's full. And we have one starting tomorrow night, and there's just a couple seats left. So we do. So there are seats. Okay. There are a couple left. Um, and the way our, our new electronic system works is if you go there and there's not a seat available, you can get on the wait list. And so if. Um, you know, for example, if someone's unable to make it tonight, um, we'll have that wait list in hand. We'll know, okay, hey, maybe three people didn't show up, and we can give a call to the people on the wait list. So if you go ahead, like I said, there there are a couple seats left, so grab one if you can. If you can't get on the wait list, we'll certainly give you a call if, if space opens up. And so that class is running Thursday and Friday night from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m., and then 8 to 4 on Saturday. So it's a um, pretty condensed class, going to cover a lot of material. Um, but a great group of instructors. It's going to be at the Sheridan High School, and uh, really, really appreciate the schools allowing us that facility. It's been great. We, this is the third class we've had there, and it's just been absolutely great for us to be there. And, uh, yeah, having full classes for sure. Um, there is another option if folks are not able to get into this class. Um, so all of our hunter ed instructors are volunteers, and they run these classes according to their personal and work schedules. And so um, I tell people just kind of keep an eye on the website to see if any get scheduled. Um, I don't know of any right offhand, um, except maybe one in Dayton that will be offered in April. I think there is a plan for that. Um, but you do have an online option as well if you cannot get into the traditional classroom. Um, so the way that works is actually two parts. So you go through the material at your own pace online, and then you get a completion certificate for that saying you've gone through it all. And then you take that you have to have signed up for what we call an Internet completion course. Um, and it's basically half day uh, that an instructor will have folks who've taken the online course come to this. Um, they'll review the material, make sure everyone understands it, ask any, answer any questions folks have. They do a firearms handling skills portion and then take the test. So it, has, it is two parts. Um, and so you do need to, you can sign up. We actually have one of those April 30th, I believe. So if anyone wants to do the online class, you can go ahead and sign up for that April 30th Internet Completion course now um, just to reserve your seat. But 
sometime between now and, and April 30th, you will have to complete the online material course and bring your, your completion certificate with you to that class. And it'll be, I think it runs like 8 to noon, something like that. It's, it's about a four-hour class. Well, that's not bad at all. I mean, uh, but the hard thing is uh, it's still limited seating because of my 8 to 4 physical class that I still have to attend, right? Um, no, no. Well, the, it's only, um, four hours. So when you come to that internet completion course, um, that is limited. Yes. I believe about 30 students. So it's just a half day, but it is, um, you know, obviously when you're, you know, doing firearm handling skills, you want to make sure that the instructor has enough time to work one-on-one with everyone to make sure everyone's comfortable and answer questions and things like that. So it is limited as well. Definitely. So again, you'll want to reserve a seat, for that class, if if you think that the online class is for you, um, you know, a lot of parents say, oh, I'd rather my kids be in a traditional class in the classroom. And that's great, too. Um, just keep an eye out for any additional classes. But uh, definitely, if if you're able, if your schedule allows, there's, like I said, a couple couple seats left for this weekend. I, it's pretty short notice, but um, we do have a couple seats available. And, you know, this is needed. So, And, and these class, these seats in these classes just go so dang fast. Uh, these things fill up quick. And so to have a couple seats available, I know there's probably a few listeners out there who are making some phone calls right now as we speak. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, I don't have a whole lot of time left, so let's jump right into a reminder of our season-setting meetings and our open houses. Uh, when are they going to be in and around Sheridan? Yeah, we talked about these last month um, in depth, so this is just kind of a reminder. Um, so we have these, we start with open houses, which are just kind of informal, come and go as as you're able, uh, visit with wardens and biologists about the seasons. Um for Sheridan, it will be Tuesday, March 22nd at the Game and Fish office from 4 to 7 p.m. So, again, you just drop by any time. Um, our biologists are actually, um, in the days preceding that, you can get online. Every biologist in our area, so we have three district biologists, one in Buffalo, Sheridan, and Gillette, and they will each do a recorded presentation for their specific area, uh, for their hunt areas on what the proposals are for this year. So folks can look at that or just come to the open house. We'll have printed copies of that available when folks come. Uh, And then the final season setting meeting is one week later on Tuesday, the 29th, and that starts right at 6 p.m. And there, that's more of a formal presentation. So we will present all the seasons for the entire region at that time. And uh, folks are welcome to come to one or both. Um, if you can't make it, you can certainly uh, provide written comments online. Um, we do have a Zoom option listed on our regional page for that 29th meeting if folks want to join virtually, but but it is in person as well. All right. Christina, Reed, thank you both so much for coming in and sitting with me today. And uh, thanks for helping to keep those things out of our waters, buddy. Those things are deadly. All right. (laughs) Greatly appreciate it. When we return, we're going to speak with the Hub on Smith. This is Public Pulse on 930KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. What is your business worth? Have you considered buying or selling a business? Our certified valuation professionals at Harker Mellinger can help you determine the proper values in gifting, estate planning, and the purchase or sale of your business. This is Alicia Cox. Parker Mellinger has been providing professional valuation services for Sheridan area businesses since 1995. Schedule an appointment today to discuss how a business valuation can work for you. Parker Mellinger, 6720785. At Stiefel, our focus is on you, your needs, and your goals. You won't be plugged into a one-size-fits-all model. This is Jeff Tomlinson, financial advisor and branch manager at Stiefel. We practice a service model where our clients can share their vision and ask questions. Regardless of your situation, our guidance is driven by your investment needs. Call us at 307-672-3434 to talk about your financial goals. Stiefel Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSC. When you're in pain... 
It causes stress. Even minor pain is telling you something's not right. And early detection is the best path to relief. Make a call to Dr. Colin Hardy of Atlas Chiropractic. Not only can he alleviate your pain, but also reduce physical stress and boost and maintain proper immune system function. Chiropractic is a natural immune booster. With each adjustment, they're not only supporting the central nervous system through proper spinal function and alignment, but also stimulating and strengthening the immune system by removing nerve interferences and stressors that can drag it down. Call 307-672-6000 for details and scheduling with the top chiropractic clinic in Sheridan, Atlas Chiropractic. This is Dr. Colin Hardy with Atlas Chiropractic. Be sure to ask us about our new patient specials. Take the first step to a better you. Call 672-6000. That's 672-6000. Your healing begins when you pick up the phone. Here's what people are saying about Rap Plumbing and Heating in Sheridan. Very professional, friendly, and fast. Rap Plumbing and Heating did a great job within our budget. We appreciated their fast callback time, and they left no mess behind. Thank you, Rap Plumbing and Heating, for your service, and I want to say that we're proud to recommend you to others. This is Dan Rapp of Rap Plumbing and Heating. My crew and I work hard to exceed your expectations on all your plumbing needs. We pride ourselves on top-quality workmanship and thank all of our customers for their recommendations. I like to say, if you find a leak, let Dan take a peek. That's right. You heard it here. If you find a leak, let Dan take a peek. Need a plumber? Call Rap Plumbing and Heating. They'll get back to you, give you a free estimate, and have it done as quickly as possible. Rap Plumbing and Heating, 752-1844. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by Eliason Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting, and the month of March is National Nutrition Month, an annual campaign created by the Academy of Nutrition and Diet. Now, say that word for me, Georgia. Yeah, glad to. Uh, nutrition and Dietitians, or Dietetics. 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 I, I, I wasn't sure if you hit that yeah. second T that hard. Yeah. All right, but the Hub on Smith feeds hundreds of meals every week to Sheridan seniors, both in the cafeteria and in their homes through their home-delivered meals program. Now, this meals program kept people going through COVID-19. It was absolutely amazing. And one thing that I I certainly applaud the Hub on Smith for. And joining me this morning to talk about senior nutrition is the nutritionalist for the Hub on Smith, Georgia Boley. Am I saying that last name right? Yes, you are. All right. Welcome to the show, Georgia. It's good to have you here. And, And how long have you been with the Hub on Smith? I've been there since 2013, so gosh, that's a while. Uh, almost a decade. Yeah, we're, we're, getting there. <laughs> we're working on a decade. Yeah, what led fine. What led you to study nutrition? That is a really good question. I would get. Um, I would say a multiple of things. I grew up here in Sheridan, and I was in 4-H, and that was my first kind of experience with. Uh, blending like science and food together in the kitchen through baking classes and also gardening. Um, I gardened quite a bit with my uh, father teaching me and then other mentors. And so that connection with where food comes from and then a love of science and then the, and then the health aspect, really since I was probably honestly eight that I've always found it interesting. And uh, so, yeah, 4-H and, um, and then just – yeah, just to me, it's just I've never I've, one of the one of my blessings in my life is I've never lost my passion for my field. Yeah. I, so now, this is a side question. Uh huh. Do you grow your own garden to this I day? I have. I decided to retire. I had about twenty years of a logged garden, like kept a log and like you know, and <clears throat> I love gardening, but then um, I retired and now I can go to go to. Um, uh, markets and you know and enjoy ah, farmers going market. to farmers markets and and because uh, when you have your own garden you're you're really not needing to do that necessarily or it takes so much time your weekends are spent doing that. <laughs> I bet you're great to shop with, like oh, to yeah, walk through so. like a, a, a. In fact, that's a really you know um, that is actually a neat as a dietitian. 
which I'm happy to explain what that word means because um, not everybody knows what that means. But that's or they might think it means something else. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the cool – that the career is exploding, um, and that career path. And one of the really neat um, opportunities as a, as a dietitian is, is more and more grocery stores are hiring dietitians in big cities to um, be like a host, you know, to help people navigate labels and shop. And um, so that's, yeah. And I actually, I taught at the college here, and that was one of our field trips is we would go to the grocery store and, um, you know, just have that hands-on approach about shopping and, um, yeah, so. And food is so important to us. And it, it's it's not just nutritionally, but, I mean, there are cultures yes. built around food. Absolutely. Uh, civilization that's... itself is built around food. Your body is is sustained on what you put in it. Yeah. So what kind of training and education does a nutritionalist have to undergo uh, to get to your level? It's quite rigorous. Um, in fact, it's one of the uh, most overeducated under, for the pay fields out there, if, which is... Um, <laughs> Just one of the licks you take, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so you have to get your undergrad degree, and you have to go through a particular... Uh, uh, curriculum to be eligible for the graduate program and then you have to go through an internship and then you sit for your um, boards yeah. so it's about from graduating high school it's a minimum of well depending on what program you get in a minimum of six years wow wow you're borderline <laughs> doctor like <laughs> some people say do, rd is a doctor backwards rd dr yeah it's a good t-shirt now when it comes to the word dietitian mm-hmm. let's help folks out what does that word actually mean so i it it means it really connotates a licensing in this country you are you can't use the word dietitian unlike nutritionist, unless you are licensed. So there's legal, federal, and some state, not every state, but there's federal and state legislation that that, um, that then does not allow a person to say, oh, I'm a dietitian, unless they're actually licensed. Now, nutritionist, anybody can say that. Anybody could put up a shingle and say, I'm a nutritionist. I'm a, I'm a donut nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> So that's kind of the difference, uh, why they picked the word dietitian back in around World War One. That's when they, that's when the field was born to help um, develop uh, sound meals for our troops. Um, so it was a federally born program, and I think it was to make it sound more sciencey, right, right, <laughs> instead of home ec-y, cause, <laughs> and so. Uh, which thank God the fields come back from like trying to divorce food, like divorce the love and nourishment and deliciousness of food because that is a super important ingredient to make nutrition work. You have, yeah. you know, it has to be stay in the kitchen. <laughs> I will eventually break off from a bland diet, right? Like oh, it's got to yeah. taste good. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and that's, and you were mentioning how other countries and, um, you know, other about the flavors around the world. You said something about that. That is, this is National Nutrition Month, and every year they pick a different theme. This year's theme is celebrate a world of flavors, embracing global cultures, cuisines, and inclusivity. Uh, So if you are a person out there listening and thinking that eating healthy means food you don't like, this is a good month to challenge yourself with this nutritional month theme of celebrating a world of flavors because I can tell you if you explore take the time to be creative in the kitchen maybe explore other cultures other spices other ways of of thinking about these foods that you in your traditional way you may bland you may discover that you actually love something yeah also loving you back and it doesn't all have to be uh, great big fat Italian noodles, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> which is I absolutely love. Yeah. If, if I had to pick a culture that I was going to eat from for the rest of my life, there it is. Mm-hmm. Well, that and donuts. So uh, when we look at our nutritional needs as we age, mm-hmm. how do they change? Uh, and and right, you know, do we need more vitamins? Do we need more minerals? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So just like um, all the wonderful things that come with age, you're not quite as good at digesting and absorbing. Your gut doesn't do its job as efficiently. So to compensate, it is smart to think about um, some of those nutrients you do need um, potentially more of or more um, potentially more of. And so protein is one that definitely comes to mind. Uh, that's something at the hub uh, that when I do my uh, – I get to do a community presentation throughout the year and um, thinking about our demographic and one of those thoughts are that, you know, like to make sure that they're aware of, of good quality proteins and educated to, to make sure that they know how they can reach the amount that they should be receiving throughout the day. Um, and then micronutrients too, like your vitamins and minerals. Uh, there, there, there is just to compensate for that decrease in digestion and absorption. There yeah. are some in particular that might be a benefit to take a little bit more of. And so, what are the things that you have to be really mindful of outside of the protein when you sit yeah. down to make a menu for the hub? Because uh, uh-huh. you guys line your menu out every every month, so yeah. I know when I'm going in to eat. When you sit down and organize that, yeah, and create that, what are some things where you're like, okay, I got to remember this, I got to remember that? Yeah, and that process has changed a lot since uh, that. So now it's much more efficient with software programs that do a lot of the hours and hours of labor that that required in the past. I mean, you know, to try to get all of the many, many 20 plus micronutrients and the three macronutrients in line with what we recommend and crunching numbers of every day of every meal when it was hand done. I mean, you can imagine. Yeah, oh, that was like chart after chart I mean, after chart. You're that looking at. that is that's sort of the tradition. The old dietitian, that if you if there was something you did, what, what what do they do all day? Picture somebody sitting there crunching numbers, like that was like eighty percent of what they were doing it was like adding up those da- those data to make sure that they met the recommended amount. Thank God now there's software that does it really fast. You just load in the meal plans. It tells you exactly twenty plus micronutrients and mac and the macronutrients. So we. Our team, Kevin Coleman, is now the new head of our nutrition um, department. So um, uh, Dan Cole was there for a while and uh, Rhonda Pavilion before him. Both were wonderful people, did an excellent job. Now Kevin Coleman's at the helm. He's the one that really um, works on the team to to really lead it as far as, like, what what is the meal plan? Where is the recipe bank? Um, and then my job is to harmonize that with okay but wait our you know our fiber is still not where the usda recommends it we need to really increase that and how can we do that and help him empower him to find the recipes and um to get to those levels that we need to to do because our obligation at the hub is to promote wellness and the plate needs is you know obviously has to reflect that everything involved in one (laughs) meal right yeah and so it's just a it's just this really beautiful dance of like delicious meets nutritious to really provide nourishment. Wow! And and so uh, I got a question. We only got about three minutes left. Mm-hmm. Salt. Mm-hmm. As we get older, we are told we got to start ditching the salt. Do you want me to tell you what to eat more of or less of to answer this question? What would you rather hear? Uh, more of okay. <laughs> my father I, I, hey, look I grew up in a house we salt salt so okay. so you can address that your inner C which is your um, you know solute to solvent uh, ratio so we're talking about salts you're talking about sodium but you also need to talk about potassium magnesium and lesser extent calcium just as significant but so Everybody's, you know, here is, oh, you should lower your salt to keep that inner C where it needs to be, meaning that your blood pressure is good, so the pressure of the fluids within your blood vessels runs at the right pressure. How do you do that? Well, you make sure that solute to solvent solution that you're feeding your body is in balance with what your body needs. So we all know we eat too much salt, but we don't, we forget, or sodium, we forget we get very, very much less potassium and magnesium, significantly less than we should daily. Oh, wow. So if you want to just say, you know, this whole sodium thing is really like so hard for me to kick, maybe perhaps approach it from the side of what you need to increase. 
and um, and you can get significant improvements in your blood pressure. Most people can that have high blood pressure um, will get significant improvements by just addressing potassium and magnesium and increasing that through food. And that's important to say through food. And not yeah. yeah supplements or potassium through food is very important because most there isn't a potassium supplement that can that is that is the same molecule that can act like the food molecule in order to give you what you need for your blood pressure. Um, but magnesium is different. You can take a supplement, but I mean, why not eat the new? Why not? Who? I mean, I. It's easier to take a pill in some ways, but also it's not as nourishing. Right, and and less adventure involved exactly. in taking That's a pill. Great. Uh, like this month. So uh, I've got about the 30 seconds left. Uh, the Hub is embracing uh, some cultural foods this month? Yes, hopefully to embrace the uh, Celebrate a World of Flavors theme. Also, just last last little point today is um, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist Day. So if you know an RD, this is a good day to, to say thank you for being an advocate of an important nutritional is the important nutrition message for our country all right georgia i appreciate you and thank you very much all right this has been public pulse on 930 kroe and 103.9 fm bagged your trophy elk. Now imagine having its ivory handcrafted into the perfect piece of jewelry. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, their in-house jewelers can take your memory of the big hunt and preserve it into fine pieces of jewelry to last generations. Using your imagination, the skilled jewelers at Legacy Diamond and Gems can create something truly exceptional. Visit them at 11 North Main Street or online at LegacyDiamondGems.com. Hurry in now. Exciting news. Candace Crane is here, the new GM at Sheridan Honda. Tell me what's going on. Tommy, thanks. Yeah, Valley Motor Honda is now Sheridan Honda. Same company, same great team, same great service, just a new name. And we're excited to be bringing back the $500 giveaway where you just stop in and say hi and register for a chance to win $500 in Chamber Bucks. We're really happy to be a part of this community, and this is our way of giving back. All right, stop in and Sheridan Honda and register today. Moss Holders Design Center knows one mattress does not fit everyone. That's why Moss Holders carries 21 different Serta mattresses. From super soft to incredibly firm, it's important you find the mattress that best fits your body and your sleep style. Moss Holders offers iComfort and iComfort hybrids, which conform to your body with high-quality memory foam, but don't sleep hot. Serta's perfect sleepers provide amazing support without breaking the budget. Moss Holders is also your source for new sheets, pillows, and adjustable bases. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. You own that house. You know, the one with the holes in the front door, disintegrating window sills, paint coming off in sheets, and weeds as high as a roof. The one house that everybody in the neighborhood knows. Do you want to just walk away, but you can't afford to without some money in your pocket? Well, while Renovation is perfect for you. They'll make you a cash offer for your home, no matter the condition or how rough it is. Find them on Facebook or at WildRenovation.com. We hate unnecessary fees. At First Federal Bank and Trust, we offer local cash management services to save you time and money. We're here to help local businesses succeed, not make money from fees. Costs are on the rise, and just like shopping for insurance, your current cash management services could use a review. Contact Kim Wells and learn how First Federal's business products and services benefit you. First Federal Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The McTeacher Nights are coming back to McDonald's on Coffin Avenue. That's right, Thursday, March 10th, 5 to 8 p.m. Coming to McDonald's on Coffin Avenue. Have a great meal, and then a portion of the proceeds will benefit Coffin Elementary School. You'll be served by some of your favorite teachers and administrators, and of course, the great McDonald's team. It's back. McTeacher Night, Thursday, March 10th, 5 to 8 p.m., benefiting Coffin Elementary School. McTeacher Night will be at the Coffin Avenue location only. Broadcasting from the Jill Bates Investing Studio, brokered by EXP. K-R-O-E.